Really, you don't have to clap every time I get up to speak. (laughs) How many of you know, are honest enough this morning, because you are in God's house, to say that most of us are spoiled? Is that right? Um, For several years, um, I worked as a consultant and I traveled around working with about 28 different denominations. And so every week I would be in a different church. I would be in churches of various denominations all the way from Pentecostal church to um, Lutheran church, you know, kind of one extreme to the other. Um, I've been in all different sizes of churches. And here is what I just want to tell you who are spoiled this morning is you don't know how good you got it. Most churches, and when I say most churches, I'm talking about 95, 96, 7, 8% would die to have just what you are privileged to enjoy every week. They would enjoy that just to have it one time. And I would just say to you, don't ever come into this place and take the goodness of God and the blessings of God for granted. Don't ever come into this place and just kind of be like a spectator. Because God is not, listen, God is not impressed by our talent. He is impressed by our heart. And so you just make a decision to come in here every week. Be thankful for how God has blessed you, how he's blessed our church. The things that he allows us to enjoy that we are privileged to um, have every week at our disposal. And just give him your heart of thanks. Now, I read this week that uh, Super Bowl, uh, it's a little game coming up in a week or so, that tickets are going for $40,000 each. And so I just wanted to see by show of hands how many of you are going this next week, if I could see your hands. Uh, And and those tickets, I think those tickets were like, you know, because we know at a, a Super Bowl game, the best seats are like right down front, 50 yard line. Um, we know that if you go down and see what's that little basketball team down here in, in Indianapolis, the Pacers, you go there and you go to a half court, you know, the best seats are like right down front, right? Um, you go to a baseball game. I happen to be, uh, saved, sanctified and on my way to heaven. I'm a Cardinals fan. So, uh, and the moaning started. Yeah. All right. Get over it. Um, <laughs> And the best seats are like right down by the action on the field. And of course, you know, when you come to church, the best seats are. I see that hand. (laughs) Um, Wow. I started to preach a message. I won't even get into that. But it does say, and I don't mean that I'm not offending anybody sitting in the back. I don't mean anyway. But in general, um, it is a good reflection, not the seating, but it does show a lot of times where our heart really is. And I just want to be, you know, and I'm using this metaphorically, I want to be at the center court of whatever it is that God has for me. And so I just want to encourage you every week to come, find a good seat. Um, think about what it, well, you know, that's another message and I'll start meddling and then you'll want to vote again. So I won't get into that. Um, Hey, if you're timing me yet, don't start yet. I haven't started preaching yet. So stop it. Just set it back to zero. I'll tell you when to start. Um, 
we've kind of felt a little bit like uh, homeless people the last few weeks because we've, we've, we've got a home that we own. We just can't live in it. And we're privileged to be in a, a, a place up here, but it's not our home. But as of like, I don't know, 10 o'clock last night, we made an offer and I got accepted and we now are homeowners here in Kokomo. So, yeah. That's all well and good until we have to start making the payments. Uh, so, uh, well, uh, you survived the first week. We survived the first week. We have had a really good time and we have come... Um, we've come to love you already, even if we haven't met you. I, it was interesting when, I, when uh, we were in Nashville and we were saying, kind of, you know, getting ready to say goodbye. And people were, we talked to people and I, I would just say, man, we just love the people up there already. And their comment was something like this. How can you love people you don't even know yet? Right? And I had to think about that one. And then I went back to him and I said, you know, um, when my wife got pregnant... She carried around in her for nine months a little bundle that I had never met, never seen before, but I would have given my life for because I just love that little thing so much because God planted that love in our heart. And um, I believe that same thing is true here. And so we are, we are looking forward to the days ahead of what God will do, not what we will do, right? Um, now, let, let me just because, you know, y'all are like... Um, everybody's like, when I came, you know, there's things, oh, there's some things we need to change. And everybody loves change, right? <laughs> yeah. And all of you will say that until I change or we change something that you like, right? So then it'll be like, hey, hold on, big boy. Get on back to Tennessee. Um, so let me, uh, let me just say something uh, that's a little different than maybe, I don't know if you've had this before or not. Um, but you notice something that probably fell out in your bulletin today, Right. It said the one thing, 2020, and it's a, a sermon insert that's in there that you can follow along. It has scriptures. It'll have some of the points that I'll make today. And the reason, the reason that that is there is because uh, this is to help you take good notes. Because what we do in here today is not just for our pleasure and enjoyment. It is for spiritual growth. When I come into this place, I don't want to leave this place exactly like I came in. Because I want to be in the presence of God. And when I'm in the presence of God and in the word of God, it changes me. And so this is a tool to help you. So I want you to take notes, write things in the, my, my dad and mom taught me how to do this. They did this in their Bible. I think I mentioned that last week. And just write notes and let the Holy Spirit use this to help you. And then take this. Um, and when you do your devotions each week, just get this out and say, now, Lord, this was the message this past week that you had for me. Is there something that you want to show me again today to help me live this out and just let the spirit work through you and the message throughout the week? Now, the reason uh, the reason I do the notes is because there was a very depressing stat that I heard a long time ago. And that is people have a tendency to only remember 10 percent of what they hear. That's depressing for a preacher. But. I heard that if people hear it and write it down, they tend to remember 65%, not just 10%. So if I'm really wanting God to use his word to change me, I want to not just hear it. I want to write it down. So this is just a tool for you. Um, you can use it or you don't have to throw it away. All right. Now, those of you that are timing me, start. Let's go. Uh, wait a minute. Time out. Um, 
Next week, I just want to give you all a heads up. Next week, we're going to jump into a series called Fixer Upper. I'll talk about that next week. But we're going to look at four couples in the Old Testament that teach us about relationships. Relationships are probably a, um, you know, relationships make or break us as couples. In friendships and relationships. In, in, in church. And though we will hit on marriages, because we're going to look at four different couples in the Bible, here's what I want you to know. Because I, I, sometimes I'll hear people say, oh, he's preaching. Now, this is not you. This is another church, all right? Um, oh, he's preaching on marriage. I ain't marriage. I ain't worth it. I ain't coming. And I want to go shame on you. First of all, you ought to celebrate the fact that there is somebody trying to help couples have strong biblical marriage, right? And even though I not, might not be married, I could celebrate that that is happening. And while that's going on, pray, God, help some couple today, help this. But then the other thing is there's always principles. Principles are those things that uh, define us, that help us, that guide us. And I can learn principles as we're going to do in this. We're going to look at marriages, but we're going to look at the principles that help us in all of our relationships. And so you celebrate that. There'll be times that I speak on stewardship and tithing. And there'll be some of you that'll be like, oh, I've tithed for years. Well, while I'm preaching on that, um, brush the pride off, right? And then you just say, while I'm preaching, you just pray. God, I'm thankful that I have the privilege of returning to you everything you've blessed me with, a portion of that. And I pray that as he speaks, I pray that you will touch somebody's heart who's not and let them be be a, a couple or an individual that falls under the blessing of God. You just pray like that, all right? Because you can choose your attitude. You can have a negative attitude, and I guarantee you, you can come into this place every week, and you can get a list of negative things if you want. Correct? Am I right? You can do that. Or you can come into this place, and you can see the goodness of God and, and praise him and give him thanks. And so you choose your attitude, and, and um, you make sure it's good. All right. Now, the reason I say that is my primary goal for being here, our primary goal for being here is not that the church would grow. It is that you would grow. Because God is not interested in, in numbers as much as he is interested in hearts and lives of people. He wants to see you grow spiritually this coming year. He wants to see you go to another level. He wants to see you uh, grow. And as you grow, here's what will happen. The church will grow, right? So as you look at the year ahead, what I want to do is I want to look at the one thing that God wants for you this year. What is the one thing God wants for you? Um, Where you are a year from now will not happen accidentally. It will happen because you make some intentional choices and disciplines in your life. And who you are a year from now will be determined by the choices you start making today. I'm just telling you that's a fact. You begin to put good things in your life, principles in your life, hang around the right people. And it will affect where you are a year from now or five years from now. And as you look at the year ahead, what is the one thing God wants for you? Because every day in your life, you face a multitude of options choices that you have to choose from. 
And you have to guard your heart, and you have to protect your heart, and you have to be intentional about what it is that you do. And so, with that in mind, I want to jump in, because you can go ahead and start timing me now if you haven't. I want to jump into Isaiah chapter 43, verses 18 and 19. And this is God speaking, and God says to the prophet Isaiah, Forget the formal things, do not dwell on the past. Now, I'm not speaking so much to your church today as I am speaking to you individually because I believe maybe even this morning in this place, in this service, that the Holy Spirit will speak to many of you to let go of some things that have been holding you back in your life. He's going to tap you on the shoulder and speak to you today about some specific thing maybe to let go of because God says, see, I'm doing a new thing. And now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? And he may speak directly to some of you, even today, about some new thing for you this year that he wants to do in you and that he wants to do through you. He may speak to you, some of you today, about some ministry that he wants you to take a next step in. He may talk to you today about your business or about a decision that you have in your life that he wants you to take a step of faith with. And so today, I want to ask you four one thing questions. And the first question is this, what is one thing, one thing this year that you desire from God? What, what is one thing that you desire from God above everything else? If God were to say, hey, I'll do one thing for you this year, what, what would be the one thing, the driving force in your prayer life this year that you would ask God for? Now, All of us know that David is described, King David, as a man after God's own heart. He had many failures. He fell down often. He had a lot of sin. Why is it there's something in him that made him look attractive to God? What what was it? Perhaps the reason is, is that he desired just one thing. Messed up a lot. But he desired one thing. And in Psalms 27, 4, here's what he says. One thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him. David said, there's one thing I desire, God, from you. I just want to be with you. I want to be in your presence. I want to feel your anointing on my life. I want to know that you are always with me. I want to feel you in the good times, and I want to feel you in the, the bad times. And so here's the question. What one thing do you desire of God this year? You, you might say, there's somebody that's close to me that's not a believer. It, it's a, a son or a daughter. And my heart breaks because they are far from God. There, there's a friendship I have and they are just not a believer. And the one thing that I would ask God, the one thing that I want him to do this year is that he would use me in this person's life to bring them into a relationship with God. So the driving force of your prayers this year would be every day, God, use me to love this person. God, use me to pray for this person, to help this person, to lead this person into a relationship with you. And I want to do a timeout for just a second. 
And I want you to mark your date for Sunday's April 5th um, for your one. Sunday, April the 5th for your one. I want, here's what I want. Here's what I want you to pray about. You've got 10 weeks. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to pray about who is one person that you could bring on April the 5th. It happens to be uh, uh, Palm Sunday. Who is one person that you could bring to church or invite? It could be a friend. It could be a spouse. It could be your neighbor. It could be a, a member that used to attend here and maybe they've quit over the past year or so. Because see, this is a, this is, we're, we're in a partnership together with the mission that God has given us. And his mission is always about people. And so I want you to pray. And I, because I'm going to ask you to say amen in a minute if you're going to do this. So get, get ready. Struggle through it right now. All right. Uh, ma'am, turn to your husband and say, you better say amen or I'm going to call you out. All right. Just, uh, and so I want you to pray about it. You got 10 weeks to pray about it and ask God to show you one person, lay a person on your heart that would you, he could use to reach them and build a relationship with in 10 weeks and you could invite them. And you can be either serious about this stuff and say, I'm going to do it. Or you can just say, I really don't care about people that are lost headed to hell. We will, either, uh, we will either allow God to use us or we won't. And so we're just asking you to invite them. Now, I plan on inviting several people, and we don't even know a whole lot of people that aren't attending. In fact, you're pretty much it, right? But we have met somebody and um, been working with them, developing a relationship with them, and just this week invited them to come to our church. And they said, they said on one condition, can I bring my wife and kid too? Well, let me think about that. And they're coming. And we're going to take them out to eat afterwards and build, grow that relationship. Now, I don't know anybody in Kokomo except you people. But God laid somebody on our heart. And we developed a friendship and we invited them and they said, they said they'd come. <laughs> did you know, did you know that the majority of people that, that are, that don't go to church and they were asked, why is it you don't go to church? Do you know what they said? Nobody ever asked me to go. Shame on us. And so I'm just challenging you. Who's one person that you could bring? Who is your one that you could just say, hey, Come. And you can invest in it. Maybe you invest in the relationship because you want to build a relationship. You invest in it. And maybe it's, hey, you come and we'll take you out to eat afterwards or we'll have you over for dinner afterwards or we'll have you for dessert that night or something. And you just, you just invest in them. And so we'll get more information out to you in the coming weeks about this. But I'm just, I'm just saying to you, will you, are you willing to pray about that? Amen. All right, six of us will be doing that. It'll be a wonderful day. What is one thing you want God to do for you this year? Some of you may have an addiction or a stronghold in your life. It may be a drug addiction. It may be alcohol. It may be a substance. It may be pornography. But that stronghold might be something more like a mean spirit, 
overspending, anger, critical spirit, a gossiping tongue. It's hurting your life and it's hurting your relationship with God and it's hurting your relationship with others. And you can say one thing, God, I ask of you. Help me in this stronghold. I will no longer let this one thing keep me from pursuing you fully. Help me, Lord, with that. And you pray for that every day. Some of you will look at your marriage and you would say, our marriage is not what God wants it to be. There is distance there. It's hurting us. It's hurting our kids. It's hurting the spirit of God in our home. It hurts our witness. And I want to pause here for a moment and just give the spirit a moment to speak to some of you. There, there is one thing you may desire from God, and it is that he would bring healing into your marriage. You desire that. You hunger for that. And you just pray every day and you just say, God, one thing I would want for you to do this year, help our marriage, bring healing into our marriage. Now, let me talk to some of you because for some of you, as you pray this, your temptation is going to be to pray uh, something like, like this, like, God, I'm praying for our marriage. Would you fix that dirty, rotten scoundrel I'm married to? But it could be that the one thing God wants to do to restore and help and strengthen your marriage is that he wants to change your heart in order that he could heal your marriage. And then I would ask a question that seems like a silly question. It's almost like when Jesus asked the guy who's sick and uh, he, he, the pool of Bethesda and he's, he says, I know nobody will help me get over there. And Jesus asking this question, you remember the question, do you? Do you want to get well? And I would just say, do you want your marriage to be stronger? Or are you too proud? There's too much, you know, like stuff and you've got walls built up. Because what I've come to find out is God doesn't care whose fault it is. He just wants you to seek him for his help. What one thing do you desire from God? Second question is, when it comes to your spiritual life, what is one thing you lack? What, what, what's one thing that's missing in your spiritual life? Because in Mark 12, uh, chapter 10, there's a story of this rich guy who came to Jesus. He has this encounter with Jesus, and he said to Jesus, Jesus, what do I do to have eternal life? I want eternal life. What do I, what do, I do? And Jesus said, you need to obey the commands. In other words, be obedient to Scripture. And the, and the guy's like, hey, I, I've done that. Check. I've, I've done all the things. I've, you know, just check that. But Jesus looked at his heart. And Jesus saw that there was this problem in this guy's heart. And, and, and so Jesus said something that he didn't say to anybody else in the Bible anywhere. And he said in verse 21, there's one thing you lack. Go sell everything that you have and give it to the poor and you will have treasure. 
translation of that word is you will have more treasure. And then come follow me. What, what one thing is standing in the way of you following Jesus completely? Because I'll bet you there's something. Something that, that's like, okay, I've given like 90%, but this is like one thing. and I'm just, I just can't surrender that. For this guy, for this guy, Jesus looked at his heart and saw it was material possessions. He saw that that mattered more to this guy than anything, anything else. More was never enough. He'd get stuff and that didn't satisfy. He'd try to get more. And Jesus just said, hey, just push that aside and come follow me and find treasure for your life. And, and in verse 22, it said at this, the man, his face fell. That means he got very sad in his spirit and demeanor. And he went away sad because he had great wealth. And the one thing that was hindering his walk with the Lord or giving himself to, to, to follow Jesus was his incredible love for things. And I'll just tell it like this. I have just found that it is often hard for wealthy people to love God fully because they have a greater love for the things that they possess. Often it is hard. Come on, I'm getting ready to step on your toes in a second. Often it is hard for wealthy people to follow Jesus because they have so much to give up. And let me give you a hint. All of us in this place are wealthy people. You may walk out of here but I, and, and think, well, I don't have much. And you'll start thinking, look at somebody else because we're good at getting our eyes on what somebody else has and feeling bad about what we don't have. And we'll walk out of this place and never realize that the poorest place that will come into this building today has more than 95 to 97% of the entire world. And we will walk away feeling poor. What is your one thing? Maybe for some of you, God has shown you your one thing that is lacking. Yet, you just haven't been obedient to it. You've just been holding on to it. You, you, just haven't, you just haven't been obedient. But this is a new day. This is a new day for you spiritually. And again, I'm not here to see the church grow. I'm here to see you grow. I had a guy say to me one time, Pastor, I've walked with the Lord a long time. In fact, it was a church board member. And he came in uh, with a broken spirit. He says, I have walked with the Lord a long time, but I am a very proud man. Because he had a lot of material wealth. He said, I often judge others and am demanding. And sometimes I just feel like I'm just so much better. And he said with tears rolling down his cheeks, my life is so full of pride and I don't feel close to God anymore and I don't hear him speak anymore. I come to church, but I find that I'm critical and I'm negative and I'm rarely blessed. And I stood at the front of that sanctuary and I put my hands on him and I said, I am going to pray that God does one thing for you this year, that God will melt your heart of pride and stone and remove your proud spirit and fill it with whatever he has for you. And he just sat there and wept as I prayed. What is the one thing you lack? 
spiritually. Many of you, might as well just get into it. Many of you wrestle, have wrestled your whole life with this issue of tithe. And you'll be like, oh, there he goes. All the church wants is your money, right? Have you heard that one? Nobody ever goes to Walmart and walks out and goes, I can't believe it. Every time I come here to get stuff, all they want is my money. You know, nobody does that. Okay, that's a different message. You know, you've wrestled with it. You're like, I'll give God my first. I want to give God my very best and believe that he's going to bless the rest. But you have fought it and you have fought it and you have fought it. And you're uncomfortable even now as I speak because it reveals what you love and it reveals what you trust. And I'm always amazed that we will trust God for our eternal souls, but we have trouble trusting him for the needs that we have for today or tomorrow. Some of you are thinking, can we just vote again right now? Like, listen, I will always, 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 always tell you the truth from God's word. And sometimes I will tell it with passion because I have lived it out and I believe it with all of my heart. Perhaps the one thing God is saying is, am I first in your life or not? Are you going to trust me or not? Are you going to depend on your wisdom and your strength and your resources? Are you going to depend on me? Maybe you need someone in your life. Maybe the thing you lack is someone in your life to hold you accountable. Hold you accountable to your spiritual walk. Hold you accountable to things in your journey. Hold you accountable to things in your marriage, because you have a tendency to drift. You drift into sin and temptation that messes you up. You have a tendency to drift from those that you love. You need someone to speak in your life. You, you, you come across maybe hardy or judgmental, and you need somebody to point that out in your life. For some of you, accountability may be the one thing that you lack. Third question is this, what one thing do you need to let go of? What one thing do you continue to allow to grip you that keeps you from where God wants you to be? What is one thing that you just need to let go of? The Apostle Paul was talking about how he wanted to know Christ fully, how he wanted to know Christ intimately and he says in Philippians 3.13, Brothers, I don't consider myself yet to have attained, uh, taken hold of this, but here it is, one thing. Here's his one thing I do. Forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. This one thing I'm going to do to turn my life around and move forward. I'm forgetting what is behind me, he said. I'm not, I'm not going to turn around and look. I'm, I'm getting that behind me, and I'm straining toward what is ahead. Why? Because there is always a voice in you that will try to get you to look behind you at your past. Because he knows if he can get your eyes on your past, he can keep you from moving forward. But no matter how bad the pain, Paul says, I've got to just keep moving forward. Now, we don't know what it was that Paul was letting go of. Don't know. It doesn't say. We do know Paul was the guy who gave approval for Stephen's death. You know, the first martyr. Paul was there and 
gave the nod to go ahead and pick up the first stone, kill him. Maybe he carried around this tremendous guilt over that. Maybe Paul said, I'm going to let go of that. It's behind me. Could have been the pain he experienced suffering for Christ. You know, all of the, oh, wow. If you just go and look at the list of things that Paul had to endure because he was a Christ follower. And he just says, I've got to let go of that. I got to get that pain behind me. I mean, he was beaten with rods. He was imprisoned. He uh, was shipwrecked three times. He was stoned. Uh, not recreationally, but, you know, with rocks. And um, he was left for dead several times. And maybe he's just saying, you know what? As ugly as my past is, I got to let that go. I mean, there are some of you that are not moving forward because you are holding on. You are allowing Satan to remind you of something in your past. And I am just here to tell you today as a messenger from God that God is saying to some of you, let it go. You may just need to come to an altar and just symbolically lay that past down or whatever that thing was and just say, you know what? God has forgiven me of that. I'm going to forgive myself. Someone hurt you and you're holding on to it. Let it go. Someone abused you and you just want to hold on because you think you're causing them pain. They have forgotten all about it and moved on and you're hurting yourself. And God is saying to you today, let it Go, you've got um, this one thing. Paul said, I want to do something new, but you can't dwell on the past. So he says, you've got to forget what is behind you and you've got to press on. Let Let me hit number four just real quickly. Fourth question is this, what one promise do you need to claim? King David was a young man and he was anointed by Samuel to be the next king over Israel. You know the story. He was the least likely person to be anointed. In fact, they went through all of uh, Samuel's uh, or all of uh, David's uh, brothers and Samuel could find nothing. And he wasn't, you know, he's like to his dad, do you have anybody else? And they brought, well, we got David, but I mean, he's nothing. He's the most unlikely person person to be used as as a king of uh for for god's purposes and but god looks not at our abilities god looks at our heart and i'm thankful for that i'm thankful that god doesn't look on the outside god looks on the inside and there was a promise that god gave david because think of how insecure he was think about how all of his brothers were considered he wasn't even considered He wasn't even allowed to come home. He's out in the field. Think of his insecurities growing up like that. And and there was this promise that God had to give to David that day because God knows if you need a promise and God will give you a promise. And many of you have had a promise. You believe God had a vision for your future and something's not coming about or something's not happening or you had some ministry and it just didn't go like you thought it would. And you're like, have you ever been to the place where you're just like, God, where are you? (laughs) I don't don't know where you are. I'm not feeling you. I'm not sensing you. That was David. And God gave David a promise. But it seemed like every time David would take a step forward, he'd get knocked backwards. And David said one time, there are so many things I do not know right now. So many questions I don't have the answers to. So many things going on that I don't know what to do. And then in Psalm 56, verse 9 and 10. Here's what David came to the conclusion of. This one thing I know, 
God is for me. I'm trusting in this promise of God. I'll not be afraid of anything man can do to me. I'm not going to hold back for I know God is for me. When I was in high school, uh, my senior year, I developed a, a meningitis. I was in the hospital for like a week or 10 days. And um, when they took me in, they didn't realize how sick I was. And uh, my throat had swollen shut and I couldn't talk. And they thought they were going to have to do a tracheotomy on me. And so I was in the hospital for an extensive time. And I remember when I got ready to leave, the doctor came in. And he told me, you will always have throat and sinus problems. So he said, always, he said, always keep your throat moist, drink lots of liquids. This is water. I have been asked before, what's in that bottle you have up there? It's water. He said, drink lots of liquids. <laughs> this is what he said. And don't speak a lot. <laughs> Now, that's just funny, right? Um, And I'm not whining. I hope I'm not. I simply have what Paul calls this earthly tent. And you have one too. And every day, that tent decays a little more. That day in the doctor's office, that was over 40 years ago when I had meningitis. And each day, I realized this body, this fleshly body is wearing out. And then I've also come to the conclusion that one day I'm going to be asked to turn it back in. Now, this is just me. And I'm not saying it to whine. I'm just saying it for God's glory. There is not a day that goes by that I don't feel frustrated over it. That I don't know about. I got sinus problems. My throat hurts. Um, Got to have water all the time. And in those times of discouragement, if you will, there is a scripture that God has given me, a promise that comes to me over and over again. And it is from the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, where Paul said, It was given to me a thorn in the flesh. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away. Three times God said, No. And God then says to Paul, and he says it to all of us who have struggles in our life on an ongoing basis. He may say no, but he says, my grace is sufficient for you. My grace is sufficient for you. I am enough for whatever you are facing. And Paul says, and so now I'm Glad to boast in my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. For when I am weak, I am strong. Why? Because it's him working through me. And I don't know where you are today, what pain or sickness or hurt you're carrying, but uh, I don't know what emotional baggage you may have. I don't know how you've been hurt in the last year or two or before in your life. I don't know all the pain that you have endured or had to suffer through, but no matter where you are, God loves you and God cares for you and God is for you and God has grace that is sufficient for you.
I've listed for you in your notes different promises. Some of you don't know a lot of promises. Every day, his word feeds us. Some of, some of you need to feed on the promises of God. There are so many, and I just picked a few to share with you. Maybe one of these as I close, and we're going to have time for prayer, will capture your heart. What does God promise? God promises to meet every need you have. If you're hurting financially, if you're afraid, if you're in sickness, God promises you he will meet your every need. He wants you to trust him. God promises you will never be tempted beyond what you can bear, what you can stand up under. Those of you that continue to go back in repetitive sin, guess what? There is a way out. There is power through Christ to help you overcome temptation and sin that has gripped you. There is a way out for you. God promises to forgive all of our sins. Listen, all of our sins. If you are hurting today from the weight of the past and sin and things in your life that you are so ashamed of, God wants to remind you today that you are forgiven. That it is gone. God says he will cast it into the sea of his forgetfulness and not remember it against you anymore. God promises to make everything, even the bad things in your life, work together for good. God promises if you feel alone or abandoned, he will never leave you. He will never leave you. God promises to be your ever-present help in times of trouble. He said he will give you strength every day. God said he will guide you and give you decisions in your life. Many of you don't know what to do next. His Holy Spirit will guide you. He promises to give you a peace that will go beyond your human understanding and it will guard your heart and mind to where people will look at your life and say, how can you be so calm in the middle of all that you're going through? And you say, I don't know. But God, my God, promised and he is delivering it to me even now. He promises to give you power to defeat Satan in your life, to overcome every evil that he brings against you. He promises that you are more than a conqueror through Christ. And for those of you that are not walking with God and you don't know him yet and you have not surrendered your life to him, God even promises you eternal life through Jesus Christ, his son, if you'll just receive it. There are some things that I don't know, but this one thing I know... (laughs) God is with me and God is for me and God is with you and God is for you. Know that one thing in your life. Do you stand with me? I want to invite us to a time of prayer today. There are some of you who need to maybe bring a care before the Lord. Maybe pray until you have an expectant faith that God will do what he's promised to do. Maybe you have a financial burden and what you need to do is just let go of that today and humble yourself and seek God and his resources for your life, the promises to meet your need. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe you'd be brave enough to take her hand, sir, or his hand. And there's not much hope. You just wonder. But I'm telling you, as the old song says, bring your burden to the Lord and leave it there and watch what God will do as he helps you forgive and forget. Maybe it's a physical struggle you have. And I've had some that have said they would like for me to anoint them. And so 
You know, if you'll come and either stand or kneel here, I'll anoint you today. But Father, right now in Jesus' name, we are thanking you for people who are not satisfied with where they are, but where they want to be in you and with you and through you in 2020. And right now we're asking the question, we're asking ourselves, what is the one thing that you want to speak to us about, do in us, do through us today? We pray in Christ's name. As they sing, we just want to invite you to come for a time of prayer. If you'd like to just come and kneel, if you'd like to be anointed, we'll, we'll be down here to do that. Would you do that as they lead us this morning as we sing together?